everyone, it's Debbie McGee, known as the lovely Debbie McGee. It's my brand new podcast, Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee, in which you will find out whether I'm really lovely or not, or whether it's just a myth. But I hope that you'll join me every week to hear different stories from my life. You know, what motivates me, what's happened to me, who I've met, and, uh, you know, how I met my late husband, Paul Daniels. That's in Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. It's me, the lovely Debbie McGee, with another Spill the Tea podcast. And in this one, I'm talking to Nick Owen, who I suppose came to celebrity status when, uh, in the 80s, he was sort of the first famous casual person on the sofa with Anne Diamond. Um, But he's got great stories to tell, so uh, join us this week on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. So I'm delighted to welcome Nick Owen to Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. So Nick, from your background, and you can tell me if I've got anything wrong, um, your dad was a headmaster, am I right? And your mum was a music teacher. Yes, yes. So do you have any musical talents? Virtually none. I mean, I played a bit when I was at school and things. I was in school on the trumpet. And uh, I played in a, a guitar group at school. I wasn't very good. And I used to sing a bit and I was awful, really awful. But I love doing it. I'm, and I've sung yeah. music. There's a lot of music in the family. My mm. mother's sister was a BBC singer for many, many years. And I've seen her doing solos at the Albert Hall and a festival hall in my time. And um, her son, Chris, uh, is a trombonist. And he became the lead trombone in the British Army. Then he did lots of session work and then he became lead trombone of the Sid Lawrence Orchestra and then took it over when Sid retired. So it's called Christopher Dean's Sid Lawrence Orchestra and Chris is my cousin. So he's very musical and I sometimes work with him doing, I do sort of talks while he is playing music or his orchestra is playing music behind, say celebrating or marking something to do with the Second World War and Ben Miller music. It's quite quite interesting though because lots of people I know have had parents who are music teachers or in the music industry don't necessarily follow that route and go a completely different route which is what you've done but you were just saying about your nephew and the surname Dean and I was reading something on the internet about you yesterday that said you were related to the oldest man in England at that time who died in 2013, who was Reg Dean, who died at 110. Yeah? Yeah, he was the father of Chris, my cousin. He was 110 when he died. It's a remarkable age, isn't it? Well, on the internet now, if you haven't looked recently, it said he's, up until now, he's the sixth oldest person to have ever lived in England. So a little bit of trivia, family trivia for you. So you took classics at Leeds University. Yeah, yeah. And then how did that all lead to sport reporting and, you know, where you've got to today? Well, um, yeah, as you say, I did classics at university. That was what my father did as well. So I was really into Latin, Greek and ancient history and still am. But um, when I was coming to the end of my time at university, people say, what are you going to do? You're going to be a teacher? You're going to go in law or something like that? And I didn't want to do that. I did not want to do anything that was nine to 
1975. And I've always loved the news. Even as an eight or nine year old, I used to read the papers quite avidly. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I want to go into journalism. So I applied to loads of newspaper groups and ended up with the Yorkshire newspaper group uh, working on their evening paper at Doncaster. And I did two and a half years there, fabulous two and a half years on 12 quid a week starting off. Um, <laughs> and really loved every minute of it. And then I took an exam at the end of it, which was a sort of to become a qualified journalist. And then I was free to spread my wings if I wanted. So I thought I'll go to a morning newspaper. I still wasn't ambitious enough to go to a national newspaper. Mm. And I went to the Birmingham Post, which was then a highly regarded daily morning paper, a bit like the Manchester Guardian used to be before yeah. it came. And that took me to the Midlands for the first time. And while I was in the Midlands doing newspaper reporting for the Birmingham Post, they were starting to invent something called BBC Local Radio. And these radio stations springing up all over the place. And uh, ultimately, I got a job on one of those because I was intrigued, I was fascinated by it. I kept meeting people out mm. on stories who said, you've got to have a go. And I said, what's the money like? And they said, I'm on 2,900 a year. I said, you're joking. It took me three goes to get in, I have to say. And that sort of set me off on the broadcasting route way back in 1973. And I did five years of local radio, news, producing, presenting, reporting. And during that time, I drifted more and more into sport because I was a big sports nut. And that was my next route, really. And I got a phone call one day to go into television. And uh, that was 1978. And I've never really looked back. <laughs> and was that with um, Central TV? be called ATV then, but it's the same place. It just changed names during the franchise time. And the person who gave me the job, I'm sure you'll remember him, was the head of sport at ATV, a former footballer called Billy Wright. Yes. Was of all time, I've got 105 caps for England, uh, played for Wolves all his career, never got booked. Um, and he married Joy Beverly of the Beverly Sisters. And they were the Bosch and Becks of their day. So I used to see a lot of Joy and the other Beverly Sisters actually. And Billy, of course. And uh, I had four wonderful years working for Central. And then I got a call out of the blue from what was going to be a brand new breakfast television station, all before breakfast television had come along. And that was TVAM. They said they were looking for a sports presenter. Was I interested? It's a bit of a gamble. I didn't know whether it would work. And I went there and it was an absolute disaster at first. But that disaster did me a favour in a way because after eight weeks, it was all changed. And they asked me, an unknown geek in the corner, would I take over as the main presenter with Anna Ford and Angela Rippon and David Frost was doing Sundays. He moved to the Sundays. And, and then I was joined by Anne. We'd become friends at Central TV and uh, things really took off from there. I mean, you know, I can remember you and Anne Diamond, you know, you were the, the hottest thing for so many years and you were very different. I think that's what sort of younger people who maybe, you know, didn't see it, wouldn't realise is up until then, people were terribly formal, weren't they? And then suddenly you and Anne were so fresh and alive and comfortable. I think I wouldn't say casual, comfortable would be the word. I would use and, and made everybody watching you and who you were interviewing feel comfortable. And I actually do think you changed the way of presenting. You know, people used to dress up with, you know, smart jackets, the women even, you know, and then you and Anne had nice jumpers and on a sofa and it just all became very relaxed, didn't it? Yes, I'm really glad you say that and you sort of noticed it because I feel we were different. We were not really well known because when... Uh, as you'll remember, TVAM started, it yeah. was the, fam the famous five, 
Anna Ford, Angela Rippon, Michael Parkinson, David Frost and Robert Key, who's a very well-known heavyweight. And we came along as unknowns and we were seen very much as the girl and boy next door um, who you could chat to over the fence. And we, we definitely did not want to be the stars of the programme. The guests were the stars. And I still think that is the important thing um you know in a chat show but it's all about the guests isn't it and the star the, the, the presenters are sort of almost like traffic cops which is something david frost said traffic cops pointing you know now you now you asking talking about this talking about that um but we also had our own personalities in a, a slight downplayed way in a way and, and we were just um very relaxed very comfortable with each other we built up a strong friendship on regional tv where we did present together and always dreamt of having our own national mm. show Day, and suddenly it all happened and it was an absolute joy to do it really was and I think you're right I think we did make people, make people feel comfortable and take the nerves away because people do get very nervous in a live tv studio as you well know and a lot of people still did particularly actors and actresses my goodness see the sweat pouring off their foreheads but it was a very very exciting time frightening stressful mm -hmm. wonderful and after that, Nick, I mean, you've just never stopped working and you've done so many diverse things. You know, you've hosted the Olympic Games, haven't you? Covered the World Cup. And as you said, you've always been a big sports fan. So was yeah. that something when you were younger you could have ever seen yourself doing? Not for a moment. No, I loved all these things. If someone suggested it, I'd have been thrilled, but um, mm. uh, I never thought it would happen. But after uh, getting on for four years at Breakfast Telly, um, I was approached by ITV Sport to see if I wanted to go back, but go back as a sort of the main man and become the pre presenter of the midweek sports special programme, which went out every Wednesday night, and also host athletics ultimately mm. in in gymnastics and various things and including the Olympic Games of 88 and the World Cup of 1990 and so those are uh, events that stand out like a beacon for me in my uh, working life absolute privilege to do those particularly the World Cup because I'm such a football nut I mean my panel on the semi-final of the World Cup in 1990 was the great Jimmy Greaves the great Gordon Banks and the great Jeff Hurst, you know, the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. And I've still got the picture of me with them and our producer on the wall of our downstairs, Lou. And that meant such a lot to me. I loved it. And I had some great times doing sport. However, I have to say that I really missed working with Anne and doing those current affairs topical magazine programmes which covered everything. You could be interviewing the Prime Minister, you could be interviewing Paul Daniels and Debbie McGee, you could be interviewing Elton John, or you could be interviewing a, an ordinary family who are going through a crisis. Whatever it was, the variety was what I loved and what Anne loved. And uh, so when the BBC came along and said, do you and Anne want to get together again and do a mid-morning programme? Uh, I jumped at it, as did Anne, and that became Good Morning with Anne and Nick. We did 600 of those. Did you? 600? Gosh. Yeah. And then, um, you know, now um, I, I see you popping up everywhere. You're still very involved with the BBC in the Midlands, aren't you? And all the sports things that you're doing and everything. And also, now, this is something else you can tell me. Um, were you or are you chairman of the Luton Town Football Club? Yeah, I was for nine years. That was my hometown club. I come originally from Hertfordshire, a town called Berkhamsted. Do you know Berkhamsted? Yeah, I do, yes. Yeah, Tring, Hemel Hempstead, Luton, that's of area. And uh, that's where I was born and grew up. And my father uh, was a keen football fan and he used to go to Luton. And I became more and more interested. He took me to my first game, September the 3rd, 1958, Leeds United, <laughs> one on one. 
<laughs> I still remember walking into a football ground for the first time, and it was just so exciting. Uh, goals with nets on them, you know, usually you play, when you're a young lad, you're playing in a park, and you know, yeah. you jumpers to goalposts. Suddenly it was, oh, and the grass was so green, and everything was so exciting, the crowd around you. And it was a brilliant memory. So um, I became a terrifically, you know, passionate football fan, and have been ever since at Luton Town, and followed them all over the country for years. I mean, supporting them now 62 years, I think it is. And um, one day when they were in a terrible mess, a terrible mess through going into administration three times in 10 years, a group of well-known local people, businessmen who had a bit of money, got together to form a consortium to save the club. And they just wanted a figurehead. So I got no cash at all. And they just asked me to be the figurehead. So I became their chairman and did that for nine years, during which time I'm glad to say the club survived, recovered and started to climb again. And they're now in the championship having been right down in the depths. So it's something I'm very proud of. I still go to games, yeah. obviously not at the moment, but uh, generally, I just love it. Absolute privilege uh, and pride about having been chairman of the football club I've loved since 1958. Well, the only thing I can say about football to do with Paul, which I'm only telling you because it'll make you laugh, is that um, his manager lived in Doncaster and was very involved with Doncaster Football Club. Really? And at one Yes, and at one point in their history, when they had financial troubles, they were selling off, um, I think it was square metres of the pitch. Sure, yeah. Paul bought the middle square where the kickoff was always. <laughs> oh, how brilliant. Oh, absolutely. And he got loads of publicity, you know, saying, right, well, I could say to them, they can't kick off from my square, you know, and things like that. So that's only to give you a giggle. And I know, you know, we're all at the moment living through lockdown and that you've got together with Anne again and you're doing a live show with her yeah. on YouTube, aren't you? Yeah, it's been absolutely great. I mean, obviously, Anne and I have been in touch over the years mm. ever since got working directly together and um, we we're always saying oh, we'd love to do something again uh, together and while when lockdown started we said oh, why don't we try and do something and she said YouTube I said what's YouTube anyway <laughs> one way or the other things evolved and suddenly we did this half-hour program which was sort of organized technically by one of her sons she's got four lads uh, one of her sons and um, it worked and it was just a chat and a reminisce and dropping in photographs and things from those, the things we remembered with great affection, whether it was dealing with royalty, because we used to have a lot of contact with Princess Diana. She was a great mm. fan of TBAM, we in touch all the time, um, that sort of thing. And then we thought, well, let's get some guests. So the next time we had a guest and we thought, who should we go for? Well, one of our big buddies, someone I see a lot still, is Chris Tarrant, because he worked with us in loads of places. And it was at the time they were doing that show, the quiz. Did you see it, that drama about the coughing major? Yes. Right, so we got Chris on to talk about his life and times and about that element of it. And we also got the writer of the quiz to come on and talk about it. And that was such good fun, we thought we've got to do it again. So the following week, we had Giles Brandreth, who was an old colleague of ours at TVN. The following week, Ainsley Harriet, we've had Lorraine Kelly, another old colleague. We've had Chris Biggins, who was one of our favourite guests over the years. Alistair Campbell came on, he was fascinating. Uh, Joe Lysett, the comedian, you know, bringing it right up to yeah. people. Johnny mm -hmm. Vegas. Um, and, and yesterday we had Geoffrey Archer on. So Fantastic. So a lot of fun and, and we really enjoy A, working together again and chatting to people and reminiscing about old times. And it's got so much publicity. We were on Piers Morgan and Susanna Reid on GMTV not so long ago, uh, sorry, GMB. And then uh, only yesterday we were on Lorraine. 
talking to her about it. Uh, it's just been a breeze. It's been a lot of fun. And whatever happens when lockdown ends and I go back to working for the BBC, it might not be possible. But we will try and fit it in because you don't have to do it at the same time. As you know, you can do it any time. The point about a, a show on YouTube is although you do it live, it is then there for all time and people can watch it for all time. So if someone went onto YouTube now and put with Anne and Nick, which is what the programme's mm -hmm. called, they could see a list, I think. I haven't done it myself, it's too complicated. They have, uh, I've looked. I looked, Nick. I looked this morning, oh, actually, there, yes. There. And all your, uh, the clips from doing the Lorraine show yesterday and Good Morning Britain, everything's out there, yeah. Is it so? Oh, yes. <laughs> so people can find it quite easily, yeah. so that's lovely. So before you go, and it's just so great to talk to you, is there anyone that you've ever been really nervous of interviewing? With all your experience, you know, you know, you can do interviews just kind of off the cuff, I would think. But have you ever been really nervous of interviewing anyone? First of all, I'd say I never do an interview off the cuff. I really don't, unless yeah. it's a breaking news story and you are really working on it. That's really. good to know. <laughs> Basically, I do an enormous amount of research about everyone mm -hmm. I'm talking I know everything about them inside out, I would hope, before going into a conversation. Um, I, you get a bit anxious when you're interviewing someone like the Prime Minister, like Margaret Thatcher, that sort of mm -hmm. person. I've interviewed seven Prime Ministers over the years, and you're always a bit keyed up, um, you know, because you know that they are pretty bright people. Sometimes Arthur Scargill was a bit testing at the height of the minor strike, can you imagine? But showbiz-wise, I was excited more than apprehensive interviewing Eric Morgan because he was and is my hero. And I think John Stapleton and I on TV AM did his last ever TV interview. So it's a sort of mixed feeling about that. Mixed yeah. emotion. I'm very proud to have done it. And can I tell you something that I remember about Paul particularly? Please do, yeah. He gave me a little tip, and it's not, not a massive tip, but it was just talking about microphones, putting microphones on. It's always fiddly, and, you know, mm. you put on lapel or that lapel. And he told me this trick about taking the microphone out of its little clip so you just have the microphone on the end of the lead, and putting it under your, behind your tie and bringing it out over the knot and just so it's pe peeking out to the front. And I did that for absolutely years on all the programmes I did, chat shows and things like that on sofas, all because Paul taught me that. It was just, it's a very simple little thing and very obvious, you could say, but it never crossed my mind and sound people never suggested it. They were always deciding which lapel to put the mic on or perhaps it was a bit on the tie, but it was a bit clunky. This way, it was almost imperceptible. A nice little yeah. trick. He's quite well known for little tricks, isn't he? <laughs> he was, indeed. Well, Nick, it's a joy to talk to you. And, you know, I'm, I'm so thrilled that you and Anne are doing these interviews on YouTube because, you know, they make us feel relaxed, which is in lockdown. Lots of people are going through lots of anxieties. And, oh. you know, so it's good to have you two back together and, you know, just letting us just chill and ride along with you both. So um, I wish you well for the future with whatever happens, whenever we come out of this uh, but thank you for taking the time out to talk to me on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee You know you want to well, Nick Owen has certainly got some fascinating and interesting stories to tell. I really enjoyed that. But I'm getting really excited about next week's show uh, because my guest will be Vicky Michelle. Yes, hello, hello. I will say this only once. So for my next Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee, look out for Vicky Michelle and me. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. You know you want to.